0: Hello Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of the Bulls HQ Podcast. My name is Mark, thank you for joining me. Hope you're all doing well out there in Bulls land and rejoicing I would assume after the Bulls got an unexpected 123-120 win over the Charlotte Hornets. Like me, I'm sure you all didn't see that one coming, particularly offensively. The Bulls averaging 92 points per game this season, all of a sudden blowing out and putting in 123 points on a pretty good defense hitting 17 threes and just looking like a completely competent offensive team. It really came out of nowhere, and the Bulls had a really, really strong game. And I'm still on a high about it, to be honest with you. I'm recording this the next day after that win, but I'm still surprised of how they got it done. The offense was humming along beautifully, led led by Chris Dunn, who had a career night, 22 points, 7 assists, and 5 rebounds. And the team really had a, a strong performance from all over the court, front court, back court, Justin Holiday and Denzel Valentine were very good on the perimeter. Lowry Markkinen had another strong game as a rookie. And the team in general just played a really strong game. And I thought at some point they were going to fold and just give over the game to the Charlotte Hornets, but they didn't. And they snuck out a win, which was, I guess, good to see. Obviously, it's a tanking season. We don't want the Bulls winning too many games. But at the same time, when they deliver that sort of effort and they play that hard, and shoot the ball that well with performances from young players and those types of performances. It's actually good to see the team get a win here and there for those t- types of efforts. So hopefully there is a ton more wins coming up for, uh, coming up in the schedule. But we'll see how it goes. But if if the team plays that well and they play that consistently well on offense, then maybe they deserve to win some games. But having said that, let's just jump straight into it. I want to talk to talk about Chris Dunn off the top and. The reason for that is I've been highly critical about Chris Dunn, but I want to give him some, some due here because that was that was a really great game from Chris Dunn, not just because of who he is and, and the type of performances he's had in the past and how bad he has been, I guess, previously with the Minnesota Timberwolves and, and how bad he's looked at times with the Chicago Bulls. And we only have to go back two games when he looked completely out of source against the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, scoring, I think it was two points on one of 11 shooting, so... Complete dichotomy to what he sort of produced against the Charlotte Hornets, where he had the 22 points and the 7 assists. Completely different game in that respect. And his total performance across the court was, was really noticeable. Defensively, obviously, Chris Dunn, we know he can apply himself defensively, and that's where he's most comfortable. And we saw that against the Hornets, particularly against the minutes he played against Malik Monk, where... I believe it was the second quarter, he had those two straight steals on back-to-back players where the rookie point guard, Malik Monk, basically couldn't bring the ball up the court because Chris Dunn's hounding pressure wouldn't allow him to actually get the ball over the half-court line at times, and he was just stripping the ball from Monk. Now, Monk isn't a natural point guard, probably more of a combo guard, to be fair to him, and obviously he's a rookie as well, but Chris Dunn definitely took advantage of that, and he was all over him defensively, so... To see Dunn, I guess, start the game by applying such defensive pressure and getting those two steals, and, and I believe he had at least one layup on him, maybe even two, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he definitely scored on one of those plays. I think that sort of set the table for the rest of his evening, and he really drew confidence from those defensive plays. So we saw the, the great defense that we normally see from Chris Dunn, but then in that second half, he really applied himself from an offensive perspective, and his jump shot was very confident Feet were set, his 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 hips were square to the ring, and he wasn't really adjusting his shooting motion as he tends to do when he's losing some confidence. You may see the arm start swaying around. His jump shot may sort of change between each shot. It's not necessarily consistent, but in this game, for whatever reason, he was really stepping into that jumper, particularly from the mid-range. He would he would come over the screen and step into that mid-range shot from around the elbow and was knocking down that mid-range two quite confidently. Also had two threes, made all of his threes, two threes, one from the corner and one from the top, and one very big three that tied it up at 98 all. So from a jump shooting perspective, Chris Dunn looked really strong. His scoring inside wasn't, wasn't terrific. He still missed a lot of shots at the basket. And I think as he sort of adjusts and learns to, learns to use his body against the bigger guys and that bigger frame that he does have, hopefully he will can get that field goal percentage at the rim up a little bit, but his jump shot looked really good. So that is encouraging signs, but I'll be interested to see what Chris Dunn does from here on out. As I said, he had that really horrible game against the Oklahoma City Thunder and then how obviously had his career night against the Hornets. He pretty much had completely opposite sort of performances and I really want to see Dunn minimize the gap between his best and worst performance and if he can do that there is no doubt in my mind that he will supplant Jerry and Grant as this team starter but at the moment there is still too much of a gap between his best and worst performances and that's really the only thing that's keeping him out of a starting position at this point. But Really encouraging signs from Chris Dunn, and I'm interested to see if he can keep this up offensively, particularly the jump shooting, because that's going to unlock so much of his game, particularly his driving game, and hopefully that can make his ability to score at the limb a little bit easier with teams playing him, hopefully for the jump shot somewhat more, giving him a little bit more respect on that, and hopefully that can open up some driving lanes for him. But incredible performance from Chris Dunn. I, I did not see that coming, particularly after that OKC game. I was ready to, I guess, almost be out on Chris Dunn, which I guess is a bit silly of me considering he's only a second year player, even though he's a twenty-three year old sophomore, but had his worst performance and then followed it up with one of one of the best performances I've seen. I I guess we've seen from a Bulls point guard in the last three to four years which is kind of sad to say but it was one of those complete dominant performances from the point guard position that we haven't really seen from the Bulls for quite a long time so props to Chris Dunn for having that sort of performance and actually sort of making me think that the Bulls may have found a player in him there's definitely some talent there more talent than probably what I gave him credit for and it's just about now finding that consistency and minimizing that gap between his best and worst performance. But really strong stuff from from Chris Dunn and looking ahead at the schedule, the Bulls have games against the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers, two teams that don't necessarily have strong depth at the point guard position. So it really is a good opportunity here for Chris Dunn to build on f- this solid performance that he had against the Charlotte Hornets and really try to expose the point guards in the Phoenix Suns and Los Angeles Lakers rotations and by building onto the, onto this career night that he had against the Hornets and really exposing the Suns at Lakers at point guard, this this may be the best opportunity for Chris Dunn to really go past Jerry and Grant as the team's starting point guard. And this is completely speculative on my behalf, but it it's, it it almost feels like Fred Hoiberg is looking for a way to, I guess, politically make it okay to insert Dunn past Jerry and Grant into that starting lineup. You can't just remove Jerry and Grant and say, look, Chris Dunn, he has more talent than you, then we want to we want to play him at starting point guard, when he not, doesn't necessarily earn that starting role completely. Like I said, against OKC, he was completely terrible against the Thunder, starting at, alongside Jerrion Grant in that game. So I think Hoiberg is really looking for Chris Dunn to seize that role and take that position off Jerrion Grant and to force Hoiberg into making Chris Dunn that starting point guard, I think that's ideally how Hoiberg wants to handle this thing. And uh, twenty-two points and seven re- seven assists and five rebounds against the Hornets is a really good foundation. And two further solid performances against the Suns and Lakers, I think Dunn is on the verge of taking that spot from Grant, assuming he can build on this performance. So it'll be interesting to see how Dunn performs from here on out. He has had the tendency to follow up a really good game with a poor one so we'll see how that transpires but really really encouraging 10 of 16 shooting two from two from the three-point line and I still I still can't believe how how good he played offensively like I said we, we expect really good defense from Chris Dunn the minute he stepped in the league you could just tell those physical tools would really allow him to be a quality defender and we've seen that from his rookie season and obviously in his sophomore season now and that was, I guess, to be expected. But the other questions around his ball handling, his obviously his shooting and his general offensive game, there were the real, the real questions. And to some degree, he answered some of those questions on Friday against the Hornets. Only the one turnover as well, which is probably the most impressive part of his game, to be honest with you. I know the the twenty two points and the seven assists is are the sexy numbers that we all like to see. But the one turnover, which has probably been the biggest area of struggle for Chris Dunn. I think that that was the most impressive thing for me. He really controlled the ball against a good quality point guard in Kemba Walker. So his ball control was good. His shooting was good. They're the biggest concerns we have of Chris Dunn as a point guard. And he looked really good on Friday. And hopefully that's a sign of things to come. So fingers crossed. And props to you, Chris Dunn, for having that type of performance. Another player I wanted to, I guess, single out was Denzel Valentine, who's has been another player that I've, I guess I have at times been critical of. Probably unfairly because Denzel has been asked to, I guess, do too much for what he's capable of. But the last few games, Denzel Valentine has actually been quite a good player, uh, scoring the ball efficiently from three as he's done for all season. But he, I think we've been seen as well some more playmaking ability from from Valentine as well. So his assist game has been a lot better in the last few games than what we've seen previously. So Valentine against the Hornets had his had his 6 assists and 5 rebounds as well as his 18 points. So that's kind of the player that the Bulls were hoping they would draft when they took Valentine, a guy that could come in and score predominantly from the three-point line, shooting that three ball efficiently, but also doing things out, uh, other things on the court, like setting up his teammates out of pick and roll and making plays for others and, and getting on the board. So he was a really good rebounder and assist man in college. And the last few games, that started to transfer into the NBA. So Dan has he's been getting some consistent minutes of late. Even getting the start against the Hornets. So that was interesting from Hoiberg to see that he went to Denzel Valentine in that starting lineup for that for this game. And it really paid dividends. And the Bulls did look like a completely different team with Denzel Valentine in that starting lineup. I have been one that, that wanted to see that athletic defensive type wing on that starting unit. And that's why I really like David Nwaba in that starting unit. But having Valentine out there with Justin Holiday and Lowry Markinen, it really did give the Bulls three solid shooting options in that starting unit around Robin Lopez and Jerry and Grant. And to his credit, Denzel Valentine hit four of seven threes. Justin Holiday also had the four threes as well. So I really, really have been impressed with what I've seen from Denzel Valentine, even if I still have some issues with his game. So some, some things I still don't like is his propensities to take some off-balance shots I know he airballed a a three-pointer, and that's pretty much because he wasn't sure if he wanted to take the shot. His feet weren't set. And that doubt in his mind really put off his shot. So if he's going to take that shot, go up confidently. And and the other thing I sort of have always been on Denzel, Denzel Valentine's back about has been his propensity to run into the lane and take these little floaters that he's not necessarily balanced on. And he's just sort of plopping the ball up in the air and hoping it sort of drops and, and again, that's something I still want him to see him work on. I think he has the body to be able to get inside and muscle, or maybe not muscle opponents, but at least take some contact against bigger guys. But he needs to put away those sort of flip shots and really take stronger tests and shots into that paint. So those are things, obviously, Denzel can work on. But in terms of his shooting and his passing, they are things that I think have been very noticeable in his last few games that have really stood out. So I just wanted to give... Valentine some props because as as I said I'm I'm one to be quite harsh on him on occasion but he's been shooting the ball fantastically all season and we're starting to slowly see gains or he's consistently having you know four five six assist type performances so if he can start doing that regularly and start creating space in pick and roll then maybe Denzel Valentine can exceed some of the expectations that I had on him so really positive from Valentine particularly over his last five games let's see how he can keep this up. So fantastic game from Denzel and also as I mentioned before, a really great shooting night from Justin Holiday who probably had his best game as a Chicago Bull, definitely his most efficient game and his best scoring his best scoring performance thus far for the Bulls, scoring a season high 27 points. That's actually the highest amount of points from a Bulls player in a single game, 27 points. So Justin Holiday, 10 of 15 shooting from the field, 4 from 7 from the 3 point line. Looks really confident shooting that ball, was coming off the screens really well, shooting quite strongly and confidently. That stroke was really looking nicely and I think because he had that extra creator in that starting unit with Denzel Valentine and, and, and an extra shooter out there, and it made his life a little bit easier in the sense that teams didn't necessarily have to guard him so strongly coming off those picks and the way he rolls around those picks into his jump shot. It, by having Valentine out there with Larry Markkinen, it forces defenses to consider another shooter out there, which made, I guess, Justin Holiday's life a little bit easier. So and that's what the Bulls obviously need to do. Justin Holliday hasn't had an efficient season to date, but had a very, very strong game. And and as always, Lowry Markkinen. I mean, it's ridiculous how consistent Markkinen has been so, thus far this season. 16 points and 7 rebounds is almost the norm at this point. I know his season averages may be a little different to that, but just it just appears every other game, if you look at the box score, he has a 16 points and 7 rebounds, or maybe it's 18 and 6, or it's numbers there or thereabouts where he's consistently giving the Bulls a strong option at power forward and shooting the ball really efficiently. And his, his box score and his game logs are just completely consistent. So I was, I was not expecting that from Larry Markkinen at all. I was obviously expecting the hot shooting and the really good shooting. And he's obviously shown that he can shoot the ball and that his shot has translated from the college game. But I didn't expect his consistency like you, like you do with most rookies. You expect them to have their ups and downs. And I'm sure Markkinen may reach those moments later on in the season. But thus far, he's been consistent in the numbers he's produced, but he's also been consistent in his demeanor as well. And I've mentioned this before, but that's another thing that I didn't expect. Again, you tend tend to see rookies get down on themselves. The confidence goes up and down and their body language is very, very clear when they're having good and bad moments. You only have to look at LA, for example, to see how Lonzo Ball is playing at the moment and can tell straight away that he's really struggling from a confidence perspective, but With Lowry Marknett, the kid just looks super confident. He doesn't get down on himself at all. In fact, I made note of this on Twitter, but this is probably the angriest I've seen Lowry Marknett through his initial Bulls career to date, but he had a technical free throw and he was shooting that technical free throw and he missed it. And he actually turned around and sort of swung his arms about, cursed a little bit, but that's the most, I guess, verbal and demonstrative that I've seen in terms of a body language perspective from Larry it thus far in his career, but I mean, even that, it, that's a minimal thing, but he constantly is on an even keel, and he always looks at the same level, which is something that you don't really see from rookies that often, that level of poise, and I think because he has that attitude, it's really reflected in the way he plays the game, and and like I said, he has that consistent 16 and 7, or whatever the, his numbers may be, 15 and 8, whatever they happened to be on that particular night. So another strong performance from Larry Markinen against the Charlotte Hornets, as well as against the Oklahoma City Thunder, one of the rare balls that actually played well that game. I'm trying to avoid that game with all costs because that was the a, a nightmare of a game. But again, Markinen with 16 points and 6 rebounds in that game, showing that he is the real deal. Transitioning away from some of the individual performances, I thought I would bring up some of the I guess, rotational changes that we saw this week from Coach Hoiberg. It was interesting to see him exploring more of that dual point guard lineup, particularly in that Thunder game where he started both of his point guards. So he was sort of forced into that situation with Justin Holliday missing the game. He didn't elect to start Denzel Valentine in that game, which was interesting. He went for the two point guards along with Quincy Pondexter at small forward, which was an interesting decision, one that wasn't very fruitful, and to be honest with you, from the get-go, it was probably never going to work, so if he was going to start one of those slower small forwards that I guess can't really do on anything apart from, on offense apart from shoot the ball, he probably should have gone with Paul Zipser. but he went for the two point guards and Quincy Pondexter at small forward, and... I didn't really like the look of that. It didn't really work. Obviously, it's probably not the best sample size of a game to be sort of dissecting whether that lineup particularly worked with Dunn and Grant both having terrible games against the Thunder. But I do hope he sticks with it just for a little bit more because it is worth exploring to a degree, particularly with the Bulls needing to get more minutes into Chris Dunn. And I think Jerry and Grant is still worthy of some minutes in that front court. He deserves to be playing above Kay Felder in the point guard rotation. So I would like to see Hoiberg play around with that lineup a little bit. And to be honest with you, I'm fine with Quincy Pondexter not playing any more minutes for the Chicago Bulls. I don't really see what he offers at this point. He's not a shooter anymore. His shooting hasn't really come forward this this year. So he doesn't really provide that three-point shooting. So I don't see the point of playing someone like Quincy Pondexter. So... I hope Hoiberg keeps having a look at that dual point guard lineup. I think there are some efficiencies in that lineup if he persists and if the players start responding. But another avenue that I do want to see continue Hoiberg doing, and to his credit he has done this, is playing Antonio Blakeney, who is obviously on a two-way contract, so he won't be with the Bulls for all of this season. But when he has played, he has looked really good. He was probably... The best ball against the Oklahoma City Thunder, scoring 16 points on 12 12 shots, hitting three threes, and looking really really comfortable handling the ball. And he's a super athletic guard who can create his shot off the bounce. And obviously, the Bulls do not have a ton of those players on the roster. So, whilst the Bulls do have the ability to have Antonio Blakeney around for those 45 days that he is allowed to be with the Chicago Bulls on his two way contract, I would like to see Hoiberg playing blakeney in the rotation and at this point it looks like he has gone past kay felder in the rotation which i think is smart felder doesn't provide a ton at point guard he's obviously someone that can create off the dribble but isn't necessarily an efficient scorer he's turnover prone and doesn't really get his teammates involved that much so the bulls are probably better off running with the two point guards in jerry and grant and chris dunn and allowing Denzel Valentine to handle the ball a little bit more, and then having someone like Antonio Blakeney come in and look to be that offensive scorer in that second unit. So I'll be interested to see how long they keep Blakeney around the team. Will it be for a few weeks here and there, or will he remain with the team until Zach Levine is back? So that's something from a rotational perspective that I've really liked from Hoyberg. and Blakeney's athleticism and his ability to create off-the-bounce Even though he may not be the most efficient scorer going around, it's obviously extremely noticeable on a team like the Bulls who are void of that type of talent. He really pops out when he brings those sorts of skills. So I've liked a lot of seeing from Blakeney and I've liked the fact that Hoiberg has actually had the ability to sort of go in straight away and start trusting Blakeney to go out there and to create some offense for him. So that was really good to see from a rotational perspective. Something else I want to see from Fred Hoiberg is to... Not have this super reliance on Bobby Portis. Against the Hornets, I thought Bobby Portis probably played too many minutes in that fourth quarter. And I felt like Hoiberg left Lowry market off too long in that fourth quarter. It would have been a lot more interesting for me as a fan. And I'm probably sure you all got, or you guys would agree as well to see Lowry out there for more minutes with Chris Dunn. Particularly when, when Dunn is playing that well and, and is being that effective offensively. And it would have been cool to see those two running some pick and roll together with Dunn looking so confident off the bounce, stepping in the, into those mid-range jumpers. And obviously, we know what Lowry marketing can do from an offensive perspective. So that would have been really cool to see. But unfortunately, he didn't do that. He sort of played Bobby Portis a little bit too too long, in my opinion. And, and I get it to a degree. Bobby's had a really strong start to his season. But Lowry marketing is the Bulls' option at power forward. And, I kind of want Hoyberg to have a little bit of a tighter rope around Bobby Portis in terms of when he can bring him in and out of the rotation and when to get Larry Marken back into that game, particularly when Dunn is playing that well. So those are some things from a rotational perspective that I liked from Hoiberg this, this week and we'll see how that sort of maintains going forward. And I mentioned before Zach Levine and, and the potential of how long Blakeney stays in. In the rotation or with the Bulls. Taking into into account obviously the now only has 45 days with the Bulls. But Zach Levine probably will be commencing full contact with the team in practice come November 20. Which is very very soon. So it will be interesting to see how far away Zach Levine is from returning. Very close now. The Bulls aren't going to be pushing him. There's obviously no reason to push a return for Levine, given that the team obviously isn't trying to win as many games as they possibly can. And there really is no point in risking Levine coming back from that knee injury just to get him on the court. So it's probably still likely that Levine won't be back before the middle of December. I wouldn't be surprised if it's towards the back end of December. And I guess from a rotational perspective, that's probably the next interesting point that Hoiberg will sort of have to manage is how he handles the minutes on the wings. And as I mentioned before, Denzel Valentine has been playing really well of late. Justin Holiday has looked more comfortable as well. And obviously David Nwaba is currently out, but should be back around two weeks or so. So those, they're three guys on the wings that should figure to play at least 20 minutes in a regular Hoiberg rotation. So... Again, it'll be interesting to see how he handles the re-assimilation of Levine back into the roster, and I'm not necessarily convinced that the Bulls will be rushing him back. And what I mean by that is, I'm not necessarily convinced he'll come straight in into that starting shooting guard role, and now that's not me saying he definitely won't be coming back into a starting role, but at this point with the way the rotation is sort of figuring itself out currently. And with Levine coming back from a significant knee injury, and obviously the Bulls not having any sort of urgency to win games, I do wonder if Fred Hoiberg and his coaching staff will sort of toy with the idea of slowly re Zach Levine from the bench. Now, I know that's not going to be a popular opinion amongst the fan base. Obviously, fans of this team want to see Zach Levine playing and playing a lot of minutes for the Bulls as its starting shooting guard. I completely understand that particularly as he was, I guess, the most established player in that Jimmy Butler trade. So fans definitely want to see Levine out there and playing and playing strong. But given that the Bulls are in a tanking season and we all know their experience with athletic guards coming back from knee injuries and whether that has sort of tainted their view and whether they play a super conservative approach with this, if they sort of try to re-assimilate Zach Levine from the bench, have him playing against lesser competition against players against bench players and then slowly bring him onto that starting unit. Because when you think about it, it's unlikely that Justin Holliday isn't going to lose his starting role. The Bulls made him one of their marquee veterans, I guess. Marquee is definitely the wrong word, but he's their veteran signing. I would be very surprised if they bench him. He's a good defender. He obviously can shoot the ball from three. So I don't expect that to happen. So that means whoever they're playing on the other side of the wing, whether it's Denzel Valentine or Dwayne Waber or Paul Zips or whoever it may be, that's probably the role that's going to have to, I guess, be removed once Zach Levine comes back into the team. And I'm sure it will happen at some point. Zach Levine will supplant that player at some point. But I sort of wonder if the best idea is to have Levine slowly come back from the bench, playing 15, 20 minutes a night until he's comfortable and he has a good solid foundation under his belt from an athletic perspective or an aerobic perspective and then you can ease him back in against those bench units into the starting unit slowly and if Denzel Valentine and Justin Holiday and someone like Nawaba keeps playing like this level and if Fred Hoiberg is still exploring with that dual point guard lineup whether well, there is some credence to bringing Levine, Levine back from the bench so I understand completely that's going to be a popular opinion at all when Myself, I'm not convinced that that's necessarily the best route, but it's something that I think maybe the coaching staff will think about. Whether there's pressure from the front office to do that, given that they want to make sure that Levine is going to be as healthy as he can be for this season, particularly given that he has those contract talks that will happen in the offseason. I do wonder if they will play this a little bit more conservatively than they would otherwise do so. So, something to watch, but it is good news that we're getting a little bit closer to seeing... Zach Levine being in a Bulls uniform and he should be playing full contact practice with the team very, very shortly. Anyways, moving on, looking ahead in terms of the schedule ahead. By the time this podcast has been released, the Bulls would have played the Phoenix Suns. And as I mentioned before, the thing that I'm really interested in seeing in this game is how Chris Dunn responds from his 22.7 assists, 5 rebound performance against the Charlotte Hornets. This is a really good opportunity for Dunn, probably his best opportunity thus far in this young season to really establish himself as this team's point guard. And I don't know if he's going to have a better opportunity in this side of 2017 to really do so. So here's to hoping that Dunn is able to use this game against the Suns as a building block from what he's already done against the Hornets to really establish himself in that starting role. So the Bulls play the Phoenix Suns on a Sunday on the road. So the Bulls will commence a four-game road trip that starts at Phoenix, will head out to Los Angeles on the Tuesday, then out at, out at Utah on Wednesday, and then, unfortunately, on Friday at the Golden State Warriors. So a pretty hectic week coming up on this West Coast road trip. They will have four games against three teams that have below 500 records, and then obviously that last game against the Golden State Warriors. So it'll be an interesting week for the Bulls. And we'll see how many games they actually can win here. So they have a back-to-back against the Lakers and then out to Utah. So that's going to be a tough trip. Playing in Utah, it's hard enough, but to have that happen on a back-to-back, that's going to be huge for the Bulls. So we'll see how this young team performs against three teams below 500 who are young teams themselves and then against the Golden State Warriors. I'm pretty sure we can all predict how that Warriors game is going to go but there is an opportunity here for the Bulls to maybe not necessarily win three games but to have these young players continue to build on what they've been doing and I'm I'm looking particularly at Chris Dunn marketing and Denzel Valentine and to show out a little bit here and really establish themselves in this rotation before the likes of Zach Levine and and maybe even Nikola Mirotic returns so that's what I'm looking forward to this week. And I want to see how this team responds on a four-game West Coast road trip. So a lot of these players wouldn't have made this type of road trip before, particularly Lowry And So I'm interested to see how he performs on this type of road trip. But I'll have all the coverage of those games for you next week. Hopefully, it's more of those types of performances against the Hornets more so than the Thunder so we'll see how the Bulls perform but so long as they compete play hard and actually give that sort of effort I think most fans would be happy irrespective of the result but fingers crossed there's not too many wins there there obviously we want to keep the tank on track and whilst it's nice to see the occasional win we don't want to see too many wins so Bulls let's let's play hard let's play well but you know let's keep those losses piling up for the sake of the franchise going forward so I'll come back to you guys probably next week at some stage, and most likely Monday time US, and we'll have another episode of the podcast for you. As I mentioned every week, you can follow me on Twitter at MK Hoops. If you've got any feedback about the show, you can get in my DMs and give me that constructive criticism. More than happy to hear it from you guys, so I encourage that. So at MK Hoops on Twitter. If you're not following me already, give us a follow, and I'll catch you guys next week.